Hey, welcome back to another episode of Commission Impossible. I got the name right two weeks in a row. I'm excited about that. <laughs> so, Ryan, how you been? What have you been doing for the last three weeks? Just still digging through uh, some early off-season commission stuff, trying to get everybody paid, uh, collecting some fees, getting a, a brand new league up and rolling. But it's all uh, it's all been good. It's all part of the process, and I'm enjoying it. How about you? How are you doing? Wow, you're collecting fees already. I man, I generally don't collect fees for till uh I guess this is one thing we do different maybe. <laughs> but uh, I generally don't do that till right uh probably right before the first drafts, about a week or two before the first drafts. But it does make sense to collect them now. I maybe I should do that in my leagues. <laughs> I guess I just like to collect them as early as possible just to get a good idea of of who's actually coming back for next year. You know, sometimes People will say they're coming back, or they won't. They won't really say anything at all. But then, when it's time to pay, uh, they decide not to. So, uh, I found the earlier payment deadline can help you figure those things out, and then bring in, you know, any any new owners, bring them all in at once, do that dispersal draft, and then go from there. That is that is smart. See, I'm 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 commissioning a lot of leagues, and even I'm learning stuff right now because <laughs> I do send out an email to see if make sure everyone's coming back. But that does make sense. Yeah, you you get the you get their money in there, and they're pretty likely to come back. So this week we're we're gonna talk about some new league setups. Some. Uh, some things when you're starting a brand new league, maybe a little bit with returning leagues, but uh, I've gotten a lot of questions recently, uh, both in the mailbag and on Twitter about, you know, do you have any advice for setting up new leagues, you know, roster constructions, setting, scoring? I know that Ryan and I have our favorites. Uh, I guess we can just start with uh, lineup construction. Just dive right into it. We had an email from a guy named Daniel McPhee that, that basically wanted us to talk about this, uh, how we, what's our favorite lineup constructions, how, how would we set up a new league. So where, where do you start with that? Uh, QBs, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Where do you start with that, Ryan? Well, first of all, I want the lineups to be as flexible as possible, uh, as many flex spots as, as we can get. I think that allows owners to build teams really however they choose. Of course, the trend – the past few years has been wide receiver heavy. The years before that, Scott, when you and I were starting, it was running back heavy. Uh, and now it's a little bit going back to running back as, as maybe a focal point. But in most of my leagues, we require just one starter at each, uh, at each of those four spots and then uh, several flex spots, just depending on how big you want those lineups to be. And then as far as quarterbacks, with the kitchen sink leagues in the, the past three or four years, those are all super flex leagues. And that has become by far my favorite. I think that's kind of a growing trend in, in dynasty football as well, that those super flex leagues and the option to use two quarterbacks is becoming more and more popular. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine starting a league now that do, doesn't allow a super flex. I, I was talking with an IDP guy on Twitter about this, that I feel like, uh, starting one quarterback is like an IDP league starting one linebacker. Like <laughs> there are just so many valuable options out there to play. And if you're only starting one quarterback or like I said, one linebacker, it's you're just grabbing like the top 12 or so. And there are tons of tons of, uh, there, there's no skill in that to me. There's just no skill in, in, in that you can have three random quarterbacks and have them make up 
that one spot. I, I need that super flex. For me, I think because wide receiver is so valuable, uh, I tend to make my leagues recently have been one quarterback, one running back, one tight end, and two wide receivers just to just to force people to draft more wide receivers. It's going to happen anyway, but just to, just to force more of them, um, maybe go a little higher. I think a lot of that depends on your scoring. But like you, four to five flexes at least. What's your general starting lineup then? Uh, you have about 10 then? I, I think you said one of each four and six flexes or five? It's it's different with different leagues, but usually uh, nine or ten total starters. And then, of course, some of our some of my leagues actually still use a team defense, which I, I would love to eliminate. <laughs> um, I think we'll talk about league rules and votes and polls and things like that later. But um, as a commish, I would love to get rid of those. The league as a whole is not on board with that, so they're they're still hanging around. So yeah, it depends on I guess if you have kickers or defenses in your league still, right? And I, I'm I'm just going to throw this out there because this goes right along with lineup construction. I have seen this recently. What are your thoughts on if you hate them but your league likes them, or maybe you just want to be different? What are your thoughts on having like let's say quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, one of each? What you do five flexes and then have one flex be say kicker defense or or kicker or, or just allow a kicker in any of the flexes really like a flex b quarterback running back wide receiver tight end kicker defense like you can start a kicker or a defense in your flex you don't have to st- you don't have you don't have to start them but you can pick one up and start them if you feel it's a good play i mean i guess that's one of those things i don't really see the point in i mean both of those positions are so volatile right. from week to week it, it's tough to project project scoring so i just don't think many people would do that you know in, in some way it might be a safe floor if you're really mm. desperate for a starter so uh, it's you know it's not a bad rule i just don't see i don't see people taking advantage of that too often right i've seen that i've seen that question posed on twitter a few times and i thought to myself if i'm looking at my sixth flex spot and my options are like someone who's questionable or, or a guy that, you know, gets two catches for 20 yards some weeks or whatever. Maybe a kicker that's going to get eight or nine points is pr- not a bad option with that last flex. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it, but it's just maybe something to think about. If, if you're in a league with people who think that that's a cool idea, we just want to bring it out there to you, um, even though Ryan and I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Scott, I've seen leagues, and and I haven't seen many of these, probably a handful or less total, but it seems to be growing in the past couple of years. Leagues that require two starting quarterbacks and then have another flex, Mm -hmm. uh, another super flex. So the potential to start up to three quarterbacks in a 12-team league or sometimes even larger league. What are your thoughts on that? Is that pushing it too much? I do. I do think it's pushing it too much, but – it can be fun too. It gives quarterbacks a ridiculous amount of value. Uh, I cannot imagine that in a 14 team league. Uh, for example, I run a series of best ball leagues that are uh, super flex and they're 16 teamers. So <laughs> that's basically, if you, you basically have to grab two quarterbacks to even fill out the, that's 32 quarterbacks right there in a 16 team league. 
Uh, I feel like it's going a little too far, and I'm a guy who loves to push the boundaries of of making people uh, making people work, <laughs> I guess. And even I think that that's too far, probably even in a 14 team league. But even in a 12, a 10 team league, I would actually recommend that. I think that's a really interesting strategy because three quarterbacks in a 10 team league is only 30. So I, I think that's not a bad idea for 10 teams. Yeah, I think it's. I think in a twelve-team league, I agree with you. It's it's pushing it just a little bit too much. It it puts so so much value on the quarterback position. I mean, you're seeing trades, you know, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick for a top twenty right. dynasty wide receiver right. and things like that. It's which just just don't yeah. make sense to me. And and not only that, but in a twelve-team league, you need to start twenty-four, and then people want to start a flex. If there's injuries and you like say I've seen I saw teams this year in one of my 14 teamers that's a super flex where they basically had no quarterbacks around week six and they had to trade for one because because of injury like they they had Romo and they had Taddy and something else and you're putting you're putting at a team at such a huge disadvantage it's it's almost a mountain you can't climb up if you screw up early so I don't I don't want that to happen. Also, I've said this on Rotoviz uh, this last week. I'm a big proponent of evening out the positions so that each position is pretty, uh, pretty close in value. Um, a lot of people seem to like that. Uh, SFB is built that way, and uh, that just makes quarterbacks too, like you said, too much, too much value there. Too much value. Yeah, I think you know. I think that's really the goal of most leagues is to try to balance out those positions compared to each other and, and SFB, you know, your, your baby has done a great job of that. I know, I know you tinker with it each off season, but I thought this past, this past year was just spot on perfect. Yeah. And I put so much time into crunching numbers to try to get it that way. And uh, (laughs) SFB scoring is actually going to be a default on MFL, Uh, not a default, but a, a option you can, when you're setting up your league, you can say, hey, do I want to use one of these scoring systems? And SFB will be right there, which is just amazing. And I geek out a little bit about that. But <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. You, you've yeah. made it now. Yeah, I've made it. I've made it. Uh, I do tinker each year, and I think part of that is so that nobody's comfortable and it creates draft chaos. But I almost don't want to tinker this year. <laughs> just because last year, you're right, I thought it was so spot on. I want to go back to Superflex and 2QB, though. Uh, let's say you're a year or two in. You started a league last year, and it was 1QB. You know, as you just set up a dynasty league, you're like, 1QB is the way to go. And this year you realize or you believe that Superflex is what the league wants to be. Uh, how do you implement it if you're a year or two in? Nick Andrews had this question, but I get this all the time on Twitter. I'm actually writing an article about it. Uh, how to transition, how a commissioner should transition. But even if you're 10 years in or one year in or three years in, how do you, do you have any ideas of how you go about that transition? I've done it twice, so I, I have some, and I can start if you'd like. But do you have any idea? How, how do you do it? Yeah, I actually have not done that. Um, and in general, I would say I would advise against it. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think that's one of those things that needs to be decided from the start of the league the exception I guess would be if everybody in the league is on board with making that change, Mm -hmm. then obviously, you know, go for it. 
I joined a new league last uh, just last year, and it's actually a home league, my first home league with with some buddies I know. The league is actually longstanding several years, and it's always been a one quarterback league. So last off season, they have the you know the rule votes and polls, and uh, it passed that it was now going to be a super flex league. But the way they handled it is, and I think this is really the only way to do it, is a one-year notice. So um, even though they voted that rule in, it won't take effect until the 2017 season. So everybody had a year to make their moves, looking forward to that, or if that's going to alter your draft picks, which it already has, then um, it, you know everybody has that one-year notice. So I think if you are going to implement it, you have to give – you know, maybe up to a year's notice for that. Okay. So um, I do agree with that. And depending on your definition of a year as well, I I think we're spot on, but in the article I'm writing and just what I've told everyone that asks, um, I believe the minimum uh, you can minimum out, you can do it unless it's an absolutely unanimous. Let's do this now by the league, which every a league might be like that. But if there, if there is some contention, if you want to try it, I would say at minimum eight, 18 months or 17 months, uh, allowing for two draft cycles and a season, meaning you have your Debbie draft, your rookie draft, you have a season, you have your Debbie draft, your rookie draft. And then at the, like, if you wanted to change it right now, you'd go through your drafts this offseason, go through the season, go through your drafts next offseason, and then you start 2QB at the start of 2018. I think that's the minimum for me. And that's, that's probably right along with what you said with, with one year, you know? Yeah, I think that makes sense. It, it is just such a huge change and, you know, every owner has built their team a specific Mm -hmm. way. There's probably one owner in in your league already in a one quarterback league that has, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Jameis Winston and Dak Prescott. And, and, you know, a team like that is going to be, at a huge advantage mm-hmm. over all the others if you make that move too soon. And the advantage of that, that advantage does start the second you make that decision. It doesn't even start with the, it start. people realize, oh, this, this player immediately has this value. Even though we can't start him next year, he, you know, the value jumps up right away. I will say if you're going to make that move and your team, you have a larger league, like 14 teams or 16 teams, I, I think you almost have to put a QB cap. I don't know that you could walk into it if there's a team out there that's been playing one QB and they've been streaming, and then there's another team that has stockpiled four starting quarterbacks in, say, like a 13 or or 12 or 14 team or 14 teamer or or larger. You almost might need to put a cap, but that depends depends on your league. You can you can email me or read my article if you if you want to hear my thoughts on your specific league I'll I'll be happy to answer. What size what size do you prefer your roster? If you're starting ten, what size roster do you prefer in a dynasty? I would say a minimum of twenty five. Okay, um, probably between twenty five and thirty has kind of become my uh, my unwritten rule. I, I think thirty is fairly large, uh, but still leaves you know, a little meat on the bone for waivers for the waivers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, standard redraft has always been double 
MFL, I think, goes double, start 10 or 11, have 20, 22, something like that. It, it, that's, that's generally been an industry standard for a long time for redraft. Dynasty, I always felt, was two and a half to three. Start 10, have 25 for 30, just like you said. I prefer deeper rosters, like 30, 35, but it's, it's a complete judgment call. But I, I agree with you, 25 feels like the minimum uh, for your standard 12-team league. In a 14-team league, I generally do 20 or 22. And then off-season, I think I have it at 25. What do you do for a 10-team league? Well, it's, it's been quite a while since I played in 10-team <laughs> leagues. Uh, I think we – the last one – Yeah, I think the last one we I played in – I've never commissioned a 10-team league, but I think the last one I played in actually had 30-man rosters. But it was, uh, it was also a super flex. So mm. – um, you know, there were some quarterback stashes. I, I do think the roster size has a lot to do with the experience level of your owners. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more advanced, the more involved owners you have, like in some of the leagues we're lucky to play in, you can have deeper rosters. They're still going to attack the waiver wire. They're going to grab those players, you know, that maybe some of us have never heard of. Right. Um, and then if you're starting a new league with, uh, some people that are new to dynasty or maybe just uh, not quite as experienced than I, I would advise smaller rosters. A hundred percent that you could not have said that more perfectly because <laughs> uh, by the time a newer dynasty owner or a guy who isn't as involved in dynasty notices a player that might have potential, he's already been snapped up in a deeper league by by one of those experienced dynasty guys to to try to even the league out a little bit. Yeah. If you got a bunch of new owners, maybe make the roster size a little smaller. That's that's brilliant. I, I really yeah, that's great. Um, let's talk about a couple things that don't have to do with your size of your active roster. Taxi squad and IR. How do you run yours? Um, I run mine, taxi squad is rookies only, and you cannot demote in season. And it's generally three to five players. IR, I just do if a player is on NFL IR or they're out. I know some people do doubtful even or questionable, which would be very interesting with the new NFL rules to allow questionable players on it. But uh, how do you run yours? Yeah, as far as my taxi squad, um, I only use the taxi squad in leagues that we also have Devi. So it sounds like we have a similar rule. Uh, taxi squad can be any rookie or Devi, uh, but again, you cannot – you can't demote a rookie in season. Uh, you can demote a Devi player if you trade for one or if you have one on your active roster, they could go down to the taxi squad. The IR, that, that really has changed. As you mentioned, you know, the relatively new NFL rules with the, the weekly tags and, uh, of course, the, uh, the IR position that is uh, designated to return. So I think I think those NFL rules have really changed how it's being handled. Uh, in my leagues, we do have to um, – the players does have to be on the IR list in the NFL. Uh, I used to have one uh, IR spot, uh, but I think, I think I'm considering expanding that. There were just so many players this past season, it felt like, that – you know, that were lost by different teams and it just became, it became hard to hold on to some of those guys depending on the size of the league. And it it was just frustrating that if you have a a 25 man active roster and five of your guys are on IR, 
you know, that's that's just handcuffing your your weekly lineup. So in the kitchen sink leagues, I have decided basically unlimited IR spots as long as you're not adding that player. So if there's a player, let's use Bruce Ellington as an example. He was kind of a hot waiver wire player, uh, a stash a year ago. He ended up going on IR before the season even began. So in that situation, if he's on the waiver wire, he goes on IR, you cannot pick him up and then stash him on your IR. Not not allowed. Uh, of course, if he's on your roster already, then goes on IR, then then that would be acceptable. But um, with an unlimited IR spot, uh, I think you have to have some rule like that. Yeah, that's that became a big problem in one of my Debbie leagues with the taxi squad one year, and then we immediately uh, had to had to switch the rule on it where people were picking up rookies and just demoting them real quick because I had unlimited taxi. And that's that's where we destroyed the demotum rule. You could only you could only have uh, rookies on your rookies and devies on your taxi squad that you drafted or traded for. Uh, nothing from free agency. I love that you brought up that the the possibility of unlimited IR. I think it would take a pretty involved commissioner, or at least a commissioner that keeps a good eye, because uh, I don't believe MFL or really any host uh, watches that super closely. Or does MFL have a setting that uh, if a player's added recently, they you can't demote them? I, I'm trying to remember. No, I don't believe they do. Um, yeah, I just try to watch. You know, I try to watch the waiver wire uh, pretty closely, and you know, a lot of times it will be a waiver wire email immediately followed by an injured reserve email, and you know, that's that's kind of a that's pretty obvious. That's a red flag, and it's not necessarily. You know, it's not anybody trying to get away with anything, but that's that's a new rule, both in the NFL and in our league. So uh, there was a little bit of growing pains on that, which which is understandable. Yeah, that's yeah. So if you want if you want to just keep it simple, if if you want to do that in your leagues, that's that's great. It's it sounds like a really great way to do it, a really fun way to do it for people and fairer for people starting lineups so that they're not so hamstrung. But if you don't want that, uh, three to five is probably best. I do three. I've always done three. So last year kind of just was okay for me. You know, other years it's been probably excessive. But uh, I've just always been three. And I don't mind when people pick up a player and then throw them on on IR because it takes up one of those three precious spots. So uh, those are two ways you can do it. Do you allow owners to make changes? Like once a player is on IR, could they drop them from their roster or are they locked into IR? No, they can. I let them drop. Okay. I let them drop IR players. But the way MFL works, I'm pretty – Taxi Squad, you can drop directly. I don't think you can drop directly from IR. I think you have to actually move them up and then drop them. Um, I, I think that's right. So, you know, <laughs> you're going to have a two-second window of <laughs> of having to drop a different player and then try to pick them back up possibly uh, with doing that move. Uh, well, you know what? This isn't even on our agenda, but I'm going to ask you about locked players uh, there. Do you lock players? I do not, no. I don't um, either. I, I, I'm in a couple of leagues that I don't commission where players are locked and uh, – just I haven't really enjoyed that. I think the mm-hmm. point of locking players is to give a window for every everyone to have a chance at that player. 
but then they get unlocked at such a random time. And, and I say random because I've played in leagues for a couple of years that uses that locks players. And I, I still haven't figured out the pattern. You know, I, I still think that advantage is goes to whoever happens to be on the computer when the player is unlocked. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think the purpose is kind of, kind of defeated a little bit there. So no, I don't lock players once they're dropped, they're free game for anybody to pick up. Yeah, there's I've I don't lock players either, and it's for that reason too. Um, that 24 hours or whatever you choose is going to be done at the same time the next day. So it, the people that were available would have been available at that time, probably would have been available the next time. And good luck finding a league where you can get 12 people to decide on a perfect time for if you're going to set up a time for lock players to go. Um, I think, and I don't like the option of having them lock until throughout through the end of the week i've seen that before where a player is dropped he's not available for that week because then you get people churning and for for those that don't understand that this was a big problem in the 90s uh probably even more recent than that but if your opponent needed a quarterback you'd quickly pick up and drop every quarterback so that they couldn't get him for that week uh so i'm against those rules as well but uh, i just wanted to bring that up i think there was an email for that as well so let's just let's just move on. We spent a lot of time on that stuff. Uh, when do you hold your startups? Brand new league. When when would you recommend holding your startups before or after the rookie draft? Um, I would prefer to to do the startup draft after the NFL draft. Uh, I want to include the rookies in my mm-hmm. startup. So I think the best case is is to wait. I know a lot of new leagues are forming. Uh, you know, right now, even before the NFL season is even over and people are anxious to get started drafting and, and building these new leagues and, and new relationships. And I understand that, but you know, if you feel that your league can hold off, then, then I would certainly wait until after April's draft. Yep. Especially in snake drafts. I feel like snake drafts, if you're doing a snake draft startup, it's much much more advised to do just one draft because then you deal with, and this is another question we have, and I'll just bring it up now. Snake dra- With snake drafts, if you do it before the rookie draft, you have to deal with how do you determine the rookie order? Is it you know opposite of the startup? Do you do both of them random? I will ask you, what, what do you do for that, Ryan, if, if that's the situation? I'm guessing you haven't been in too many of those situations, it sounds. No, I haven't, I haven't done one of those in a while. Um, the ones I have been in, and this is really when I first started playing dynasty football, they were just reverse order. So somebody got the 112 startup pick, the 2.01 startup pick and the 1.01 rookie pick. And, uh, you know, I just, I thought that was a huge advantage at that time. And uh, it still is. Yeah, depending on the rookie class in, in almost every year, it's still going to be a big advantage. Uh, if Think about doing that this year. Yep. You know, you're starting with A.J. Green, Sammy Watkins, and, you know, Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette. Who, or even yeah. last year, Ezekiel Elliott paired with the 12-13 in last year's draft. Exactly. It's so still a huge advantage. I would, I would not do that if – you know, if you just cannot wait, if you really want to have that startup draft right now, I would suggest drafting rookie picks. So, uh, you know, you go into MFL, you use the create a player option, and you create draft picks from 1.01 Perfect. to 
3.12, 4.12, depending on how many rounds you have. And you're, you know, the owners are actually going to draft the draft, the rookie draft picks. If you want to draft the 1.01 rookie pick in, you know, in the early in the second round, go for it. And, and then, you know, come spring, you'll be able to use that rookie pick on whoever you choose. Yeah. And that might even give more value to those, <laughs> those picks. Cause uh, at that, at that point, when you're doing the startup, they're, they're more fluid. You don't know who that player is going to be yet, but it's not as locked in. That's, that's a great way to do it. Uh, I'm going to start recommending that. That's just, that's just an amazing way to do it. Uh, I, in the past, like you did the reverse thing. And I mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. You mentioned Cook Fournette. Uh, I did a startup one year where Adrian Peterson was the 101 in the rookie draft and went to the guy who had the 1213 in the, in the other draft. It's, it's just such it. I don't want to say it's a bad way to do it because it makes sense logically, but it's just way too big of an advantage. So if, if you're not going to put the rookie drafts in the startup, I, I guess, I guess random might be the best, but even then, you know, some teams are going to get a little bit shafted and some teams aren't, some teams are going to get lucky. So uh, we've already talked about how we probably would prefer the rookies included, but if you're doing auction, instead of snake i don't really have a problem with someone doing a startup auction now and a rookie auction later uh in fact that (laughs) i i might prefer that because it's two different auctions is that is that where you are at with that yeah absolutely i think um uh, along with the super flex and some of the other settings of the kitchen sink league leagues that i've come to love over the past few years just the auction format in general is is one of those as well Uh, it it does allow for an early startup with veterans only. So our schedule that we'll do, and we're getting ready to start the fifth kitchen sink league here next week, actually. Um, but we'll, we'll do our startup auction in late February, early March. And then we will uh, follow that up with um, a Devi auction, a rookie auction, and even a, a free agent auction for any players who were not part of the startup. So if you put it like that, I'm guessing you don't allow free agents in your rookie drafts or auctions. No, no, we don't. Okay. And it sounds, if you do, if you do a free agent, are you talking restricted or just, uh, I'm wondering, uh, basically what I'm getting at is that first year, do you have waivers run weekly starting after the, the startup draft? No, we don't have any waivers um, until year. right until the free agency auction. So basically, we would do in February, March, we would do our startup auction. April, May, we would do our rookie auction, and then June would be a free agent auction for any again for any players who have not already are not already on a roster. That includes veterans or rookies who uh, you know snuck through the the rookie auction. Okay. And then we'd finish off in July with our Devi auction. Oh, I love free agent auctions. Even if there's not much meat on the bone, it's, uh, it's almost better if there isn't much meat on the bone. Cause there's so many, <laughs> so many people going after just such a small amount of good players. I, I, I do want to take it back to the startup auction schedule, uh, which you're just mentioning Devi auction. You prefer to run it in August. Uh, I generally, I, I know that a lot of leagues either run it in August or they run it in February. 
uh, seems to be the two most common times because uh, uh, signing day is in February. So uh, that first year you recommend an August Debbie draft, it sounds like. I think that goes back to the experience of the league as well. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, August, we have a pretty good idea of what those college rosters, the college starting lineups, you know, we've seen Devi rankings and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Even uh, I even do a, a rookie mock draft for the next year. So that kind of information is, is out there pretty easily to get. Uh, Scott, I know you and I with some of the other DLF guys are in a, a pretty deep Devi league and we do ours in, uh, in February, which I, I think, is fine. I, I, you know, that's one of those early off season things I look forward to. Um, but that, you know, that fits maybe more with that more experienced Devi group. Right. Um, just, just to touch on an email from, uh, let me get her name on here. Uh, Sarah Morton. She asked about how we commission Devi leagues and general advice for it. You know, how do we do them on NF on MFL? She asked specifically about auctions. Do we, enter the custom players before the start of the auction or during it as it's going. I'm, I'm really curious how you do this. Cause I, mine is definitely different. I'm sure. Okay. Um, basically leading up to the auction, I ask uh, each owner to submit a few names. I don't have a set number, you know, three to five maybe would be a suggestion, but have them submit some names of players that they would be interested in nominating or bidding on. That doesn't lock them into anything. That just gives me a, a list of players to go in and manually create prior to the auction. So, you know, that usually gives owners a good list of 15 to 20, maybe even more, depending on uh, what type of response I get on that. And then I am still willing to create players once the auction has, has started. So, you know, if somebody says, Hey, I want to, uh, you know, I want to nominate Bo Scarborough and he's not in there. Then once I get a chance, I would create him and, and add him to the pool. Uh, I, I do know other people do this different ways. And I've seen some who do the auction with, uh, I guess you could say no name players, you know, players uh, that are on an NFL roster, they're in the MFL database, but they're not going to be, you know, no one is really going to be adding those players to their roster. So right. uh, end of bench type players, and then they end up representing, uh, you know, Nick Chubb or Saquon Barkley or or whoever uh, those, those Devi players are that are sought after. Yeah. Yep. I, that's, that's, Similar to how I do it, but also a little bit different. I'll, I'll explain how I do it. With my, my Devi auction ones, I actually get a list from each from each person. I, I get a list from each person uh, of the players they want to nominate, nominate, and they are locked in. So, you know, I have a league where everybody gets one nomination. I have a league where everybody gets two nominations. We basically set up a Google Doc and, you know, people pick – there's no real order to it. I think in future years, maybe there there will be an order, like worst to first, you select who you want to do. But yeah, I, I have them lock into who they're going to nominate, and then we just put them all up at once and just have a free-for-all. I also want to get into setting up leagues uh, by series of votes. I've, I've never personally done this because I've mentioned before, I, I run my leagues as like 75% executive decision. I set up leagues the way I want to. And then, you know, sometimes some of those rules don't work and we want to change them. But 
FFRX, uh, Derek had a question. Uh, should league votes for things like this, I, I'm assuming he meant for leagues, for things like this, be majority or unanimous? Um, unanimous is going to be really, really hard on things. But uh, w- would you ever set up a league based on league votes? So my first league that I ever really commissioned, uh, and I've talked about this a little bit, I think I've talked about it on here, mm-hmm. was Hyperactive 1. And we basically voted for almost every rule. Um, and, and only because, well, one reason was because I had no idea what I was doing. It was my first first league uh, uh, acting as a commissioner. Uh, the other reason was that league kind of started as, you know, like a league for the people. Like this is going to be the league where every everybody is represented. Everybody kind of gets what they want. Um, so that was, that was the intent behind it originally. And, and it worked out well, um, you know, there were no hard feelings. Everybody got to voice their opinion. We voted for things like lineups and roster size and scoring settings and all of those things that a commissioner has to decide. Um, at this point, you know, now that I, I have some experience and, and kind of know what works pretty well, then no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really be up for that. I guess one thing that I tell people when they're interested in starting a league is I think you have to start it one of two ways. You either start with a set of rules, you know, you know, this is, this is the way you want to go and you find 11 other guys who want to do that, you know, who like that, those settings, or you start with a group, you know, so you start with a group of 12 buddies or whatever the situation may be, you know, you want to play with this group, you know, your college buddies or guys that you met in the DLF forum or whatever it might be. And then from there, you can, you know, you can do the league vote thing and set up your rules. So I think you really have to start a new league one of those two ways, either with rule set or with your group set. Yeah. And I think you almost, I almost think it's probably preferable with like a group of work friends that if they're all into fantasy football or buddies, home league, whatever, if they're all really into it and really into the league, I think there might be, if you have a discussion about league rules and then appoint one commissioner to just set it up and he sets all of it up the way he wants, I can see that being an issue to a degree. Whereas um, if you all create it together and, you know, appoint a commissioner to enforce the rules, I think it'd be more fun for everybody that way. But like, like you said, most of your leagues, most of my leagues, especially at this point, uh, I I'm interested in creating leagues that I find incredibly fun and then finding people to play with me. So did, did you see my new league idea or not even a league idea? My, my new trading rule that I threw out on Twitter the other day. I don't know that I did. Maybe did I respond to it? I, uh, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, <laughs> basically the, the idea was a, a public, trading oh, area yeah so yep. no you know no trade offers through mfl but everybody post on the message board if i want to send you an offer of the 1.06 rookie pick for ty hilton um or something you know something like that then you can respond you respond to that via the message board that you're going to either accept or decline that but if somebody else sees that and they think hey i'll give you know i'll give somebody that I think is better for T.Y. Hilton, 
or, or for that rookie pick, whatever the situation may be, then they can jump in with their offer as well. Yep. I, um, I actually did respond to that. Um, oh, okay. Did you have more to say there? No, no. I just want to okay. see what you thought about that. Okay. Yeah. I, I find that incredibly interesting. I, you're definitely going to get the best trade possible <laughs> out of that. I, I wonder if some trades might fall through because, well, I, I suppose if you do that, there might be more trades because, you know, you're shopping him and people don't want other people to get players. So that'll become a factor. Uh, When I responded to that, it was because someone contacted me before the season about creating a fully transparent league where all the trading is viewable, but not just the trading, the waivers, everything is, is out there in public. All this, all discussions on trades, like you're not supposed to contact by phone or email or anything like every discussion of a trade, every discussion of waivers, like the waiver bidding, everything is out there in the public. And I was like, whew, good luck, good luck getting owners to agree to that and policing it. Um, but it does sound interesting. Uh, but the trade thing's a little easier to police. If a trade goes down that wasn't like, you know, wasn't discussed in the or wasn't that, that comes out of nowhere, you'll know. So that's well, really I mean, I think you could, you know, on MFL you can limit owners' trading rights. So, uh, you know, if you really want to do that, you could set it up where they cannot even make their own trade offers via MFL. They would only be able to do it. Uh, you know, on the message board. And then once it's approved or, or once mm-hmm. the other side agrees, then you would have to, you know, the commissioner would have to process that. So it would be work on the commissioner. I, I do think the loophole there is maybe that two guys could have a, um, a conversation offsite. Uh, you know, I'm going to offer you this. Do you want to accept? Yes. And then nobody else gets a chance to, you know, to match that or to better the offer. So that would be, that would be the piece that would be tough to police. Um, Yeah. Timing could be an issue too. I mean, it it would, it would be a quirk. It wouldn't really be a, be a flaw or anything, but if if someone's like, it's Sunday morning, I need a running back and like half the league or most of the league doesn't see it. um, A trade could pop through really quick. And the commissioner really has to be on top of it, you know, by uh, Sunday morning. They basically have to be watching that all of Sunday morning just in case. Yeah, it would it would be a tough a tough uh, rule to, you know, a tough rule to use in a league. It, it goes back to having those really active owners who mm-hmm. who are involved and and on top of things. Yeah, that's it's it's really it's certainly really interesting. Uh, I I've enough leagues that I have so many things going on. I, I probably wouldn't put anything, any of that in one of my leagues, but it's a great idea to put out there, like just anything making your league unique or fun. And uh, maybe someone hears this idea and they're like, I like that, but I would do this. Uh, do it. Uh, make your leagues more fun. Make, uh, make things interesting. That's, I really, I really do like that idea. I can't, uh, man, I don't have the time to do that, but uh, I like that idea. No, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be using it in any of my leagues either. But I, I did get an email from a guy who plays in one of my leagues. He's commissioning his own uh, new startup, and he said he's going to give it a shot. So I'm I'm interested to follow that and see how it works for his league. Right. 
Yeah, that's, oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I wish people, when I talk to people about these unique, interesting ideas that they have that like you get emailed or I get emailed, I wish I would get more follow-up because I often forget a year or two down the line. I kind of want them to email me back. Hey, this is how it went. But, uh, you know, I, I lose track of those. There's just too much going on. <laughs> but I think, I think we've covered a lot of bases today. Feels like uh, feels like you deserve it though, since uh, you, the listener, deserves it. Since we took three weeks off, so uh, <laughs> I hope you guys got your fill. Uh, you got anything to plug, Ryan? Uh, no, not really. You know, it's just off season as we've been talking about, and that's that's a schedule change for me and for most of us. So my writing writing schedule is varies week to week. But I'm looking forward to digging into some some of this new data we have. The now that the season is wrapped up and right and January ADP exactly exactly yeah we got uh, we do it. Ryan's got his January ADP out there. I got my uh, rookie and Debbie ADP uh, on DLF, so you guys can definitely check those out. I know that I've got uh, Bull Rush podcast is coming back next next month but we just dropped a best of clips uh <laughs> a 20 minute best of clips from the season uh, you should check that out also i want to plug uh, the other dlf podcasts we got uh we got filmmetrics podcast it's probably a week or two ago now the last one dropped but uh check out that one dlf podcast is is killing it every week uh so check out that if you have any questions for me or Ryan, you can find us on Twitter at RyanMC23 or at ScottFish24 or at Commish Podcast. Uh, if you have something longer you want to talk to us about, you got an email question, we do clearly answer them and talk about them on the show, commishpod at gmail.com. I try to reply to everyone and we do try to answer them on the show. So I think that's all for this week. Everyone have a have a great week or two and we'll we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.